some of you are thinking, we just celebrated New Year's Eve. Christmas was a week ago. Why are we looking at the shepherds and the wise men? Because we're going to be intentional with what we see, what we just saw in that video. 2017. How many people, first of all, let's just, let's just get this out of the way. If, now I don't understand some people stayed up till midnight. Some of you may have not went to bed. I don't know. How many people made it to midnight? Alright. I went to bed at 12.07. <laughs> As soon as, as soon as I watched the, the, the New Orleans, uh, the New Year's Rockin' Even New Orleans in the central time zone, I said, hey, I'm going to go to bed. Mm-hmm. How many people are going to take a nap this afternoon? Probably a lot, yeah, okay. See, we, we, you can look at, you can, walk, you can watch New Year's Eve, New Orleans, you can have your own game party, fireworks with your neighborhood or your family, and you can celebrate a new year coming. And it's really cool, I think New Year's Eve is really cool because it's, obviously it's time zone oriented, so you can watch it literally, the new year coming, the whole revolution of the earth, this is pretty, it's pretty cool, different countries celebrate different ways. But I want, to, I want to show you a drastic difference between two celebrations. There's a, there's a secular 2016 to 2017 secular celebration of the new year. Hey, I'm into that. Games, okay, I've, I've been at my mom and dad's house and we've had four, six, seven, eight hour war games of Monopoly. My house, it's blood, okay? It's for real. The only thing that we don't have if you win Monopoly is like a championship belt because it, it would fit. But... You can watch the celebration. You can. I remember my grandparents used to live in the country, and we would we shoot guns. Okay, you celebrate, set off fireworks, a firecracker, or something, and you celebrate the new year. But if you look, if you just saw that, that video. And, and the, the wise men had come. We're going to talk about them. They were probably not there that night. We're going to see in Scripture how it says that, why we can think that, why we can look at it like that. But when the wise men came, they were intentional, they were intentional on celebrating. You can be intentional on New Year's Eve. Okay, it happens once a year. But these wise men beyond left the comfort of their home. The shepherds left a field that night to come in. We, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. But I want us to look at a celebration or an intentional worship. In 2017, you can make a list this long. I want to do this better. I want to do this better. I want to do this better. I want to, I want to lose weight. I want, to, I want to increase my bench press by 50 pounds. All, all this stuff. I want to go to the mall less. Whatever it is, okay? But... 2017 brings a new start. It's a, it's, a, it's a calendar fresh start. You can start over today, today, intentionally, and you can have a pretty good concrete day. This is the first day of the year. How intentional, though, will our worship be for God in 2017? An overall general goal, one of that I usually, a goal that I, uh, something that I usually make for myself this year is I want to increase and get closer to God in my relationship with Him every year. I want to be closer to God this year in 2017 than I was in 2016. It's not always easy. You have to, you have to work on this. But looking back to these guys, can you imagine if you? If you, if you know a lot about the Bible or, or you've looked right before the, right before the book of Matthew in most of your in most of your Bibles there's a white page that says New Testament and it, and it separates it separates the old from the New Testament and I want to share something with you because this is a big deal after the book of Malachi and before the book of Matthew there's a white page in your paper 
It represents many, 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 many years of people just continuing to do and follow what the prophets said without the Messiah coming. Where is He at? When is He going to be here? And I'm going to talk about some of my friends here in a minute and you'll probably like this. We're going to be, by the way, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2 in just a second. In December, and Christmas, by the way, if you brought people, if you couldn't make it but you prayed for us, if you made punch, popcorn, cleaned up anything, or, or you were just an attender, I just want to say thank you for how we represented the birth of Jesus on Christmas Eve. Holy cow. You can, you can ask the band, but I'm telling you, anybody that was up here, um, when we played Silent Night, I mean, these monitors project our sound back to us. So we can hear. And I'm telling you, I heard the first chord and I heard nothing after that. Because the worship. And I mentioned on Christmas Eve, it talks in the Bible that the shepherds hurried to see this new king. And I said something that was very, very, very intimate with me. And I, and I shared that. If you weren't here, I'm going to tell it to you again. When the shepherds hurried, when's the last time we hurried to be in the presence of God to worship Him like we should? This is tough. It's hard. But we talked about tis the season to serve and give. And today we enter into a time of tis the season to worship. Now why are you, why are you talking about worship on January 1? What is worship? Let's just define worship real quick. I grew up, worship was the music. That's it. That's why it was just, it was, it was the music. I get a better understanding of what true worship is. Worship, worship is not just music, a sermon, first impressions, cleaning, vacuuming, holding babies, or teaching. Worship is going, all of those things, plus going out into your job living and reflecting here's a plug we are not having connect group this week okay january 1 week we will not have we will not have connect group so do not go to a connect group do not go to your regular scheduled programming it will not be there okay but since january has 5 sundays we're going to meet the 8th the 15th and the 22nd and you'll still have the 5th week off the 29th week is off but the 8th 15th and 22nd i really want you to check this out on, on next week, you can, check our, you can check our website, ConnectionMTV.com. Please look at that. Check our Facebook page. Find a place that you can, that you can go that works with your schedule. Now, why do I say that? I want you to experience what God is doing in our Connect groups. It's huge. People, people ask me, say, Well, I want to I see, the, I wanna see the, you know, the, the up and the pumped up version of Connection. I said, Come Sunday morning. But if you want to see the heartbeat of connection, come to a connect group. It's where people are living life together. God is doing amazing things. In, in our connect groups, in a couple of connect groups that I have, we have, a, we have a, a chat going on all the time that we just share prayer requests and we're able to pray with people that are, that are not anywhere near us, states apart sometimes, but are able to live life and share life together and lift each other up in prayer. Now, you think, well, I don't need connect group. When's the last time that you really needed some prayer? It's just one of the things. How about this? I'll give you this. Most of our connect groups have food. Come and eat the food. You don't have to bring anything. See, 
these connect groups are, we, we are diving into something that is incredible to me. Anybody like sunsets? Beauty of nature. I love, I love, some of you don't like when I say this. We haven't got any yet. Some of you are praying very, very hard that we do not get any snow. And I'm going to pray harder that we do get I'm just kidding. So, but when it gets really cold, the snow, a little light layer of snow, the, the woods just have this completely different look. The sunsets in the winter are my absolute favorite. It's beautiful. But in our connect groups, we are starting a study that is incredible. I know you're saying, well, Matt, don't you write the connect group lessons? Yes, but it's not because of me writing them. We're studying in chronological order the Bible. And where do you have to start? You have to start from the beginning. We are looking at what God did. We, we can see a sunset all day long, but can you imagine if we could look behind and see... If you've ever been in a room where you can't see your hands in front of your face, the Bible talks about the earth being formless and black and shapeless and all of this stuff and hovering over the midst, and I can't explain any of that language, really. It's hard to explain nothing, right? And then God begins to just paint this elaborate piece of artwork called earth. And in Genesis it says He created the invisible and the visible. This is awesome. This awesome way to look at Scripture. So if you, if you are very unfamiliar about the Bible, you don't know a whole lot about the Bible, or you are a biblical theological teacher, there's something in Connect Group for you. They are, in, they are incredible. I have people in my Connect Group that are closer to me family-wise than some of my real family. And it's not because, it's just because there's a part. I get to see them more. But look at back, look at back to the shepherds and these wise men at this video. I watched several videos of this. One of them, one of them has the wise men coming, and they don't even offer their gifts yet. And they just fall flat on their face. It's wonderful. It is an it is, a, it is an artistic video expression of what our our worship should be. I'm telling you, one of the most intimate times I've ever seen in the history of Connection Church was a week a week ago in a day when we took face down as a church for Christmas Eve. It was insane. It was awesome. I was up here and I was just watching and there were people and people and people and people and people. There are people everywhere. There were people sitting in the lobby. I had a friend who drove by on Christmas Eve. He was going to somewhere, another person in his family. And he called me. He goes, um, your parking lot was full. I said, dude, we had people on the sides and in the back. God is doing great things. I don't want you to miss this. Talking about worship. These men, these wise men, these, these shepherds, they were blown away. They were blown away at a baby. A baby. But did you hear what he said? He says, God in flesh. They had been waiting and waiting and waiting. Some theological thinkers think that there's roughly 400 years that represents that white page in between your Old Testament and your New Testament. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a long time. You ever anticipated going on a trip? And that day will never come, will it? You think, I'm not going somewhere until next August. I'm going to the beach next August. That I'll never get here. And two days before that, you think, oh, we're leaving in a couple days. I might as well pack something, right? Kind of catches up to you. We don't think it's ever going to get there. We have to wait. We have to wait. We have to wait. Hmm. 
at, look at this really quick in the Old Testament, just before we get into Matthew chapter 2. In Isaiah 7.14. If you're, if you're a note taker, just jot this down. Go back and look at this. You ever played pig, basketball, horse? We have to make a shot. And if you, if you hit it off the backboard, you have to call bank, right? This is the greatest pig shot in the history of the world. Look what Isaiah says. Alright then. The Lord Himself will give you, a, give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. Anybody ever been born of a virgin before this? No. Anybody ever been born of a virgin after this? No. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That is one of the most holy words in the history of this world. Because it literally means that the invisible Son, part of the Godhead, became human flesh to this earth to die for you and me. We talked on Christmas Eve that He came for a reason. He didn't stay a baby. God with us. Can you you imagine... How many years before? Well, I'll tell you in a second. But this is this is a long time before before Jesus comes in to Earth. So now there's people in Isaiah's day that begin to look for the Messiah. They look for signs. Now I'm not gonna. I, this wouldn't give anything away, but I, I think that I would not just say, okay, well everybody that's born in this town, like they said, I'm gonna look at all these babies. How about this? How about you start? You really narrow it down, okay? Okay, the first kid that's born of a virgin, that's probably gonna be the Messiah. Because it's only going to be him, and he come, he came to this earth, and he and he fulfilled many, many, many prophecies. Emmanuel is God with us. If you've waited for something for a long time, maybe you wait on your wedding day. Maybe maybe you weren't the maybe you weren't the twenty three to twenty seven to twenty eight year old that, that waited you know that got out of college and started a job and got instantly married and all this stuff. Maybe you wait you had to wait. Maybe you had to wait to become parents, or maybe you had to wait to become an aunt and uncle. Look, we anticipate days out. This is years. Look at your worship handout with me. Look at this. Isaiah declared his prophecy seven hundred years before Jesus was born. This is the greatest theological pig shot in the world. He called it 700 years. Can you I can't tell you what I'm going to eat tomorrow. Isaiah heard a divine word of God and knew that the Messiah was coming. It was announced 700 years. Anybody want to wait that long on anything? No. We get ticked off if we, wait, if, we, if we wait more than five minutes in a drive-thru. You don't want to compare the people that had to wait here to us today. You don't want to do that. Because look at it. 700 years. What do you do for 700 years? This is, in a, in a, in a nutshell, this is, what they, this is what they were intended to do. They were to worship while they waited. Anybody good with patience? I didn't think so. See, I couldn't even wait on you to respond. See, 700 years. So when it happens, there was a huge to-do in 1999. Do you know why? Because Prince wrote a song on New Year's Eve, right? For New Year's Eve, it was, it was the song, right? 
I don't know what year he wrote that. Somebody will Google it and tell me later. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter because he wrote that song and they anticipated, anticipated, anticipated. Now it'll be, it'll be 15 years. It'll be 14 years. It'll be 10 years. It'll be 5 years. It'll be, oh, it's next year. 1999 is next year. And all of a sudden, if you, if you own stock in Prince, it just went through the roof. But 700 years. Look at America in 700 years. You take 700 years away from right today, Columbus hasn't found us yet. This is how long this is a huge span of time. How well do you wait? And when you have to wait on God, do you worship him? Can you? Can you find it inside of you to worship while you wait? Can you trust God enough? So we're going to look at, in, in, in the second or third week of January, I think it's the third, third week, we get to Genesis chapter 3 and we see the first sin. The fall is what it's called. The fall in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve blow the one job that they had. I, I even wrote that in one of the lessons, so if you come, it'll be funny. They had one job, right? Don't eat the pear or whatever it was off of that tree. One job. We're going to be talking in depth about the fall, about the about the, the the sin, what God had to do to prepare us to have a relationship with Him. Seven times longer, these people waited on the Messiah. Then my Cubs friends waited for a World Series. Seven, just think about this. Seven times longer. Now, you heard stories all over the internet or, with, or videos of if my grandfather or my uncle could have been alive. Remember? They're, they're, maybe they're Cubs fans their whole life, but they didn't get to see the Cubs win the World Series. Now think about this. Think about the people that had to wait on this to happen. Can you imagine having 10 or 15 generations of being in a God-centered, God-worshipping Jewish family waiting on the Messiah and your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather kept passing it down and passing it down and passing it down and passing it down. He says, one of these days the Messiah is going to come. One of these days the Messiah is going to come. Surely they got bored of waiting. Surely they messed up, right? They had to wait for 700 years. And many of these people died waiting. It didn't keep them from worshiping. It just means they didn't see. They didn't get to see what happened. That's why this biblical account of Jesus' birth is such a huge deal. Because it would have been... An, it's, it was. It was a global explosion of worship. The angels came down from heaven in front of the shepherds and they can you imagine? Can you imagine the best worship service you've ever been to. If you've been at men at the cross and heard 10,000 men singing amazing grace at the same time, you'll think Jesus is coming through the ceiling and you're getting ready to rapture out. I've seen I've seen I've been at worship services before with over uh, I saw one place that had almost 10,000 people and Hillsong was the band. And they're just good. <laughs> and their worship is incredible and God's presence was ever. You think about the best worship service you've ever been to and when the angels came down and talked to the stinky guys in their shepherd's outfits, it was better than that. 
And they had shepherds and sheep for an audience. But they waited and they waited and they waited. If, you're, if you have your Bibles open, look at Matthew chapter 2 real quick. Look at this. In verse 1, we're going to run through the first 11 verses. We're going to look at this really cool. If you are... If you're one of those people that you think that you think, man, I really want, I really would like for this to just be be able to be proven. I talked about that how we can. I showed you in secularly secular ways on Christmas Eve how we can really, really bite into, sink our teeth into, and stand on firm foundation of this material in the Bible because it's recorded in not only biblical history but secular as well. Look at this. Look at this. Verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. Another prophet from the Old Testament named Micah. (laughs) Prophesied about the Messiah coming from Bethlehem. Micah 5.2 You look back at the Old Testament. The prophets, they're really, really good. They get everything right. Do you know why? You know how I know that? You can go back and look at their prophecies, examine the the person of Jesus, and realize that He fulfilled them all. One person could only fulfill them all. So He was born in Bethlehem. Listen, they called it. (laughs) They called it. When? During the reign of King Herod. Now this, this this isn't just, okay, good, King Herod. No, we're given a time frame here. It's a time stamp. He's recorded in secular history too. They can be checked out. These, these. What's really cool is this. If you, I don't just, I don't just pick out pieces of scripture. And say oh, I'm just going to talk about this. I, I really, I really want to just take a metaphorical. I don't eat my Bible. I want to, I want to really take a bite out of God's word, and I want to, I want to look at it really close. What the cool thing is about King Herod? He was a very wicked king. In, in this story, he actually wanted to go find Jesus after he talked to the wise men and he wanted to kill him. Does anybody know why? Because he wasn't the rightful heir. And Jesus was. So, so King Herod is a wicked king, but this is, this is one of the cool things that I found out when I studied him. Do you know that he was very, very huge in the beautification of the temple? The same one that Jesus would come back to as a teenager and teach? Everything just goes along in plan. Something that, that is, is evil, God can make even good. And about that time, some wise men. Now, uh, here. He was born in Bethlehem, the reign of King Herod. We're not given a specific date, we're given a time period. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking. Now wait. They did not, they did not come that night. There's many, many different things that you can think about this. How about this? How many were there? Well, every decoration that I've ever seen has three. So there's three. Okay, no, it could have been different. We don't know. We're not given a specific number. There are even theological people. I'm telling you, I really got into this. This is this is unbelievable. Some people that are very, 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 very vastly much smarter than I am think that these could have been Jews left over from captivity in Babylon that, that rose in the ranks, became wealthy people, then they came back searching. Others claim that these men were from different countries. Why would these, why would, why would, why would these, these guys, regardless of who it is, how many there are, why would it matter where they came from? Because Jesus' birth was a global event. 
It meant that all the nations, you see this? All the metaphor, all the nations were coming to bow at the feet of Jesus Christ. As a baby. That guy, I love that guy. He plays the wise man. He get, wise man, he gets off and he said, gold for the king of kings. I think about Jesus. He goes, hey, you bought me pavement. Right? <laughs> no, it's, it's, an earthly, it's an earthly gift. Regardless how many, where they came from, these men have an adjective in front of who they are, the noun. They were men. They were wise men. Not just in intelligence. In faith. They knew. In, they intentionally came to worship. They were from the, he goes on, he says, From eastern lands, uh, arriving in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? How did they know this? How did they even know to ask this question? Because for 700 years, people have been looking for this guy. Right? When's he going to come? Where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. First of all, if you see any kind of... If you, if, back then especially, if you could understand that kind of... You were on a high level of thinking... The stars are beautiful. I just don't know many of them's name. <laughs> but these guys had studied and looked. And in verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed. Why? Because he was sitting on a throne that wasn't his. Oh no, there's an heir. And you can read later in the story where he has all the firstborn uh, baby boys. You know, all, the, all, these, all these kings throughout the Bible. Not just him. They, they try to kill off the heirs. When he heard this, as ever, or I'm sorry, as as was everyone um, in Jerusalem. Now that's that's kind of funny. Why uh, why did King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this? As was everyone in Jerusalem. Even by birth, Jesus caused ripples in the water. He had finally come. Now, what does that mean? What does that change? People in 2017 will not ask Jesus Christ to come into their life and to have a relationship with Him because He causes ripples in us, doesn't He? I don't want to change. I've been doing it so long, I don't want to change. Even the Jewish people in Jerusalem thought, oh man, what does this mean? Look at verse 4. Herod, he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? <laughs> Look how much he relied on other people to do his homework. He didn't understand, he didn't know the prophecy. Where is he supposed to be born? Double, 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 double check this. Hey, where is he supposed to be born? Uh, Bethlehem, dude. <laughs> where is the Messiah supposed to be born? Look at the next verse. In Bethlehem, dude. <laughs> he didn't say dude in that translation. But it says in Judea. They said, for this is what the prophet wrote. Look, bingo! The guys from the Old Testament are right. Look at this. O Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. <laughs> Look at verse 7. Now, can you think about this? You ever been really, really, really wrong? Knew you were probably wrong, but you still needed to check with somebody to make sure you were wrong? So Herod comes to these guys, okay guys, 
what are you going to tell me? And he goes, dude, it's happening. Verse 7, then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. Why did he call a private meeting with them? He wanted to find out all the information that they had so that he could go worship him. Herod didn't want to worship Jesus like you and I worship Jesus. Herod wanted to worship Jesus by eradicating him from the earth. He wanted to do away with them. Then Herod called for this special meeting with the wise men and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Herod seeks advice from other people and then he seeks advice from these guys. He can't do his own homework. See, the thing about worshiping God, God says, don't ask other people who I am. I want you to search who I am. God comes down into this this fleshly man and in 2017... We have the Holy Spirit and Jesus interceding for us to pray so we could worship God. We have, this, we have this unbelievable opportunity. Yet sometimes we don't take advantage of it. I heard this week a guy said, he said, I don't know about coming to Jesus. I don't know about this relationship with Jesus. I'm a pretty messed up person. And you guys have heard this. Hopefully I say enough stuff that we're, maybe, maybe you can use this in, in your everyday life. But I said this. I said, do you know what the beautiful thing is about the gospel of Jesus? What? I said, you don't have to get everything right in your life to come to Jesus. Jesus says, bring me the pieces and I'll put you back together. You don't have to be, have it all together to come to Christ. Jesus says, you bring me the pieces and I'll put you back together. He's our glue. He's the blood, his blood covers us. And look at verse 8. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Now, who's he telling? This is really funny. Who's he telling this to? Highly intelligent people. You think they can read people? <laughs> I'd like to go worship him. <laughs> How about no? <laughs> How about no? In verse 9, after this interview, the wise men went their way, and a star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. <laughs> Again, if astrology or astronomy, uh, astronomy interests you, this would have been one of the coolest events. There's people that think it could have been different planets together, it matches in timelines, or if it was simply a star that God created for that time, then. That went ahead of them and it stopped. Now, <laughs> we have no street lights. Their camels don't have headlights, okay? So, they're following a star that is moving. I've watched many stars that are moving. They're called airplanes. <laughs> I sit out there, man, that's a really slow fall. That's a plane. <laughs> and I'll try to find these falling stars and I can't. But this star was moving. This whatever, this what, it was moving. And it stopped. <clears throat> This is the greatest GPS in, in the world. You don't even have to listen to an annoying voice on your phone or on your, on your, on your GPS. It's just, follow the star. I'll, God goes, I'll stop the star where you should look. This is great. So they, they get to this place. Look at this. How can we see where this was? The, the, how can we see that the wise men were not there that night? Look at this. Look at this verse. In verse 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Why? Because they knew what it represented. It knew that they knew that the king of the Jews, when it stopped, they were full of joy. Why? Listen, it was it was beyond Christmas morning. Can you imagine them standing outside the door? On the other side of this door is the King of Kings in flesh. 
talking about a birthday present. We're not talking about a new skateboard or a new TV or car. This is the king of the world. And they're sitting there. Can you imagine how anxious, how nervous? That's why I love that other video that I saw. It just didn't match up with what we were talking about. I would imagine, we're going to see in a little bit, but they probably just, as soon as they walked in, they probably fell flat on their face. Been waiting so long, how lucky, how blessed they were to see this. Look at verse 11. They entered the house. Now, house. Where was Jesus born? Not in the house. Okay? Just, just, look, just look at that. This is later. Some, maybe even a couple years later. Jesus was probably a small... A small says saw the child, so he's, he's maybe be a toddler. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped Him. Why do we call what we take when communion, why do we call it face down? Look at this. They bowed down. That means face the floor. If you look at that in the original text, it means to lay flat. If you lay flat in front of your enemy in war, it's the most humbling, vulnerable position you can possibly put yourself into. You cannot defend yourself laying on your face. Very well. For very long. And when you, when you do that to God, when you worship God like this, when you, when you put yourself down here on the floor, face to the floor... And you, just, and you just lay there, you say, I am completely submissive to what you want me to do. And so you're saying, oh, I can't get on the floor, okay? <laughs> Metaphorically, lay yourself down in front of God. And they worshipped Him. This is the wild thing. I really wanted to find this, I couldn't. I want to know how long they worshipped Him. There's no telling. They may have broke out the sugar jar with a spoon, started playing some rhythms and danced around the house for a couple days. I don't know. But this worship, I guarantee you, was this. I guarantee you it was authentic. It was, it was, it was authentic to the king. You imagine how happy they were. And then, then they gave Jesus... You see that? Watch this. They worshipped Him, and then they gave the presents. See, in 2016, in the secular world, we give presents and then, then you get worship for giving the presents, right? They worshipped Him. And then they opened their treasure chest. Look at that treasure. And they gave Him gifts of gold. <laughs> if you've seen any of those kids' movies, this re- they, they usually call the middle one Frankenstein. But it's frankincense and myrrh. Precious, precious gifts. See, the, the wise men served well. They served God well. Why? Because they were, they were on purpose following the instructions that He had for them to find this King. They also listened to God because God sent, sent information to them, hey, don't go back. Herod's a bad dude. Don't go back and tell him he's wanting to kill Jesus. So they didn't go back to Him. So they served, they served God well. Look at... Did anybody receive a very awesome ornate box that was filled with bars of gold for Christmas? No? I was hoping somebody had a relative. I'm just kidding. Listen, this is huge. Frankincense, myrrh, highly, highly valuable gifts. And some people would argue, they were rich guys. I'm telling you, a normal person cannot go out and buy that stuff then. It's very, very valuable. They gave not out of convenience, they gave with intentionality. They gave God 
gifts of high worthiness. Which leads me to a next point. What kind of, what kind of gifts in our worship do we give God? This is hard. These are hard questions. If you, if you take notes, ask yourself that question this week. What, do, do my gifts that I give God, are they just easy? Are they easy to give? Or do they, do they show the sacrifice of, I want God to be the number one in my life? It's very difficult. Some of you are already pushing mute. Very hard, very, very, very difficult question. Is my is my is how I worship God or how I do whatever I do just easy? Or is it intentional and causes me to grow closer to him to where I can I can I can give because of what he's given me? Look at look at your next blank in your worship handout. Later this week, after you, leave, after you leave, I want you to cross out the wise men. And in, in, in your worship handout, don't throw it away. Keep it. Look at it this week. Read over these scriptures. Instead of the wise men, I want you to cross it out. Cross out where wise men were. Cross those out and put your name, not your name, your personal name. Your last name, the blank family will be intentional in our worship. Yourself, put yourself here. God, challenge me to be intentional in my worship. I did not, I did not say, oh, golly. Don't go home from church and say, well, Matt said all we need to do is dig a little bit deeper in our wallet and everybody will be happy. I didn't say that. If God's dealing with, that, with you on that, then that's your deal. What I'm saying is, can we... What if, we, what if we just all join together? What if we all put ourselves in the same basket? You ready? In 2017, one of, our, one of our goals for this year as a church, God, please prepare us and our people and our children to be more intentional in our worship so that we can go out and reflect You brighter. You come to a connect group in January, you're going to hear this. Christians today, followers of Jesus, should do the same exact thing as the moon. You reflect the sun. We're a mirror. We should be an open... Our heart should be a mirror. Say, look, look at who I worship. Look how I worship. Look, look how good He is. Am I being intentional? Now, some of you are like, man, that's... Look at this. Look at Luke 2.20. Just, just right here. I'm going to show you how happy these dudes were. Look, The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. <laughs> it was just as the angel had told them. Duh. God doesn't lie. Right? The prophets nailed it on the head. Do you know why? Because they were given information from God. You're going to find out that out of nothing, God creates things. And God created everything good. Most of the time, when something bad happens to a person that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus in our world today, they blame God. Here's the problem. God didn't create evil. Everything He, he can't. He's perfect. He's holy. He is the epitome of good. Good is not even an adjective to God. It's a noun of His somehow. He is goodness. He is, everything. He, is in, he is worthy of everything that we can possibly give Him with worship. 
So yeah, it was as the angel told him because God doesn't lie. Look at the next blank on your worship handout. Look at this. The shepherds got to worship Jesus the night that He was born. After that experience, they could not contain their joy. Have you ever seen somebody... I have a personal friend. Every time I see her in town, I say, How are you doing? She goes, I'm fine. Jesus is, Jesus is living inside me and I'm fine. She doesn't have all the money in the world. She probably lives paycheck to paycheck. But she said, I'm fine because God has me. I have a relationship with Him. Listen, she's considering herself wealthy and full of joy because of what God has done for her. When is the last time that you shared something that God has done in your life recently with someone else? This is how we reflect how good God is. We say, maybe you have a co-worker who's down. Listen, I encouraged someone in our connect group this week. I said, listen, even in the bad times, God is still good. He is, you know why? Because He can't not be. Even if, even if it's something that we don't understand, we don't like, we're not comfortable with, listen, God is still God. He's still good and He's still worthy. So why should we have this joy? People in our community, our state, our country, and our world need to hear that God is still in the business of changing lives. Because some of them are driving around metaphorically in life completely clueless with blinders on and they have no idea where they're going. They have no hope. They think they're just here to spend some time and to die and that's it. Anybody know that? Anybody else know that somebody that is just... Sometimes you talk to them and you go, they're too happy. You know one of these people? You know one of these people? They're just always, they're just always just pumped up about what God is doing. I didn't get to meet this man. I never got to meet him. I heard story upon story from my grandfather and from other people. Because sometimes I had to cross-reference check my grandpa's stories. So I would <laughs> with other people. And they would share the same thing about this man. His name was Henry. Henry went to a church in a metropolis of Mill Shoals, Illinois. Notice how many people know where Mill Shoals is. Mill Shoals is south of Fairfield. And it is a small town. But Henry Jamerson was a member of society in Mill Shoals during the Great Depression. And he had absolutely nothing. But he had everything. Going, go, trying to find work in the Great Depression didn't happen. And my grandfather and grandmother, my great-grandmother didn't have money. But they, how, they, how they did their work for the church, they would come in. When it was cold, they would start the coal stove, they would sweep the floors... It would clean the church, make it ready for everybody to come in. And my grandpa always told a story about this Henry Jamerson dude. And I said, what was so cool about this guy? He said, there were nights that we would get out of church, out of a revival meeting or out of a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night, and he would take off walking out of the parking lot and as soon as he got outside, he would begin to sing. And he sang until I couldn't see him anymore. And the guy had nothing I remember this one of the most unbelievable lessons my grandpa ever taught me. He said, He had absolutely nothing, but he had beyond everything. 
He had a relationship with Jesus that was contagious to other people. That, that is what I want. That's what I want to see. Connections people get in. I want to be contagious. Contagious, not to see a number explode in attendance, but contagious to where people's lives are being changed where we work. Where we play, where we have coffee, where we play golf or softball. Wherever we go, that people just say, you're one of those weird popcorn-eating connection people, aren't you? And you go, yep. They couldn't contain their joy. People on Facebook, they can't contain their joy over the World Series. I mean, I'm a sports fan. They couldn't contain their joy over New Year's Eve. They couldn't contain their joy over a bunch of stuff. What if we harness that and we put it into joy to worship the Creator of the world? I can tell you what would happen. Mount Vernon wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't. We wouldn't be the same. What's the Christmas song? We're supposed to keep, don't go tell it on the mountain about Jesus? No. We're to proclaim. We're to proclaim who He is, what He's done. Always be prepared in season and out of season to give an account of what God is doing in your life. My year has just been awful. 2016, with the loss of all the celebrities and all this. Listen, did you wake up today? Can you... Can, can you put one foot in front of the other? Or can you, can you get into a car? Or do you have people that take care of you? Or you we're blessed. It shouldn't, it shouldn't disrupt our joy. Our joy comes from Christ. It doesn't come from people or stuff. Look at the last worship blank. Look at this. In 2017, may we seek to worship with our lives. I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to keep this. You can you just take this home, cut it out somewhere. Put it on your mirror somewhere. Okay, where you can where you can see it. And I want you to begin to pray with me for our people of connection. Okay? That we seek to worship with our life. You know what I want to see? I want to see God do things in 2017 that we can't explain. I just I want to see him move in people, change people's lives. Make people compassionate. Make change the way that people look. Change the, just make them different, so we can be contagious in 2017. Just celebrated a new year. You have a new start, Michael Bublé. Right? It's a new day, a new night. I'm feeling fine. I can't nearly sing like he can, but we have a brand new start on a calendar. Will you take that home? Please, take that home. Begin to pray that way for our church. Pray that we begin to worship, even you and me ourselves, that we begin to worship with our life. What would it look like? Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't it be incredible? Man, what can I, you know, where do you go to church? I go to a church where people, people are seeking to worship with their life. Not just on Sunday? No. And God is doing great things in our church. Listen, Happy New Year. May 2017 be the greatest year of your life. But may God do things that we can't understand or comprehend with us. And if you go to a different church, with you and your church. May God continue to work through Southern Illinois. And may Southern Illinois be the start of something in our state, 
something in our country, maybe something in this world. Would you pray with me? God, we thank You so much for the opportunity to come and worship You on a new, on a new year. January 1. God, many of us have things that we need to work on in our life. And we set these resolutions. God, but may one of our first ones be, I want to be closer to You in 2017 than I have ever have been in my life. May we get into the Word. May we, get, may we plug into a connect group. May we, may, we, may we seek to plug into church and serve and to give intentionally. Now these are tough, tough things. Now we love you so much. It's because you sent your son to be a baby, to become the visible of the invisible with a duty to do. And He died for us. And He's the only way that we can have a relationship with You. And God, so that should cause us joy. That should cause us worship with our life. May we start that worship today. In Your name we pray. Amen.